Good evening. Welcome to this assembly to worship God through Jesus Christ based on what the Holy Spirit calls to be written in our Bibles. I want us to listen to the reading of the 51st Psalm written by David, expressing in every line dispositions and responses that one ought to have toward God. Listen carefully, please. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's begin by thinking about who wrote this. God inspired that this be written. But let's think about the man who penned these words. David, who trusted in God and killed Goliath. David, who had opportunity to kill Saul when Saul was attempting to kill him, but resisted. David, the man who is described 
in 1 Samuel 13, 14 as a man after God's own heart. But also David, who committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. When we first encounter that story, we want to know how this could be the same man. Known for such good works, a man who was so knowledgeable, a prototype of the Messiah, a caring shepherd who wrote passages like the 23rd Psalm. So one of our first responses is, how could he do this of all men in his time? And it may be that part of our dilemma about that is how we classify sin. If David had been guilty of a few episodes of gossip, or if he told a few lies, or if he was just sometimes lazy about his work before God, we probably wouldn't have the same intensity of shock or disappointment, but adultery and murder. We wrestle with that. In fact, when we come face to face with biblical truth, it is as plain as day that every sinner needs the mercy that David was asking for in his repentance. So it may be sometimes our definition of sin needs some work. When we are guilty of a few episodes of gossip, when we speak out of turn, we need mercy in our repentance. When we are not as diligent as we ought to be about the Lord's work, when we lack sincerity and zeal and diligence about evangelism, we need mercy in our repentance. When we let a few people do all the work, when we neglect opportunities for spiritual growth, when we nurture immature attitudes, when we let discouragement take us down to zero obedience, when we do not serve, when we fail to do our best, we need to embrace mercy by repentance and change. We need mercy just as David did. We have this tendency to hold ourselves above others because their sins are not our sins. We want to think that we are better because their sins are not our sins. We may think and we may say, I would never do that, but then we do other things. But there are other things that need as much repentance and mercy as those things. So I want to introduce this passage by making this appeal to each one of us that all of us need mercy. Not just those who commit adultery. Even if we haven't sinned the sins David sinned, we should take no pride in that when God knows we've committed other sins. And therefore we need mercy and repentance just as David did. And I believe all context considered 
Psalm 51 is an authentic account written by David of his thoughts when he confessed his sin. He did confess. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. <coughs> In response to these penitent words and the corresponding active repentance, the Lord said, I've taken away your sin. The biblical account shows David had to spend some time simmering in his guilt. Before Nathan's confrontation to David about his sin, and before David's repentance, he was in denial of the reality of his sin. He was self-righteous. That's always the case. After you sin and before you repent, during that time frame, there is some dismissiveness about the guilt of our sin and some self-righteousness. We are always self-righteous when we sin and before we repent. Sin in itself is an act of selfishness and defiance. David was no different in that respect. But when he realized what he had done, his sin before God, sin that he committed previous to his encounter with Bathsheba, he was sorry. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. In Psalm 51, David talks about this to God for his good and in Scripture for our good. So let's consider some of what David said in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. You know what mercy is? It is the language of a beggar. Mercy is the language of a beggar. It is a statement of need. When you encounter a beggar and the cup goes out or the sign goes up, that's the language of mercy. Mercy is the language of a beggar. In Luke 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem and he is encountered by ten lepers who said, Master, have mercy on us. That's the language of a beggar. You remember another account in Luke when the rich man in torment called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am in anguish in this flame. Mercy is the language of a beggar. David in the aftermath of his sin could not boast of his good works could not plead any privilege as a king, could not make any atonement by means of any treasury of material things that he had. He could only say, have mercy on me, O God. Whatever we have done that is defied against the will of God, regardless of how we classify it, 
It doesn't have to be adultery and murder, violence or vice. All have sinned and do fall short of the glory of God. However, I am falling short right now. However, you are falling short. However, we as a group are falling short. Every single sinner who stands before God stands there as a beggar. Who says, here's what I need. But who also says, here's what I'm going to do going forward. Knowing that God can do what he wants with us. That's the message in Romans 9. We must know who we're dealing with when we beg for mercy. And God can do whatever he wills. Romans 9.15, Paul is quoting Exodus 33.19. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Sinners of whatever type or category as adjudicated by men and our defensive classifications stand before God as needy, desperate beggars, knowing God can do whatever he wills to do. But knowing that we need him to do something for us because we are beggars, Accompanied by our interest actively in leaving sin and doing better. Leaving neglect and engaging in diligence. Knowing that Ephesians 2 and verse 4 says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Whatever I've done that's wrong in the sight of God, regardless of how defensively I classify it, whatever I've done that's wrong in the sight of God, whatever you've done that's wrong in the sight of God, however we classify it, whether we think it is equal to what David did or not, all sinners need mercy. I do and you do and we do. And that's what God provides in Christ. We approach God with broken hearts but resolution that we're going to do better. How heartbreaking to know that we can do better but not. Here's something else that needs our attention. David said, <coughs> create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do we realize the damage done by sin? I know we realize the damage done by adultery and murder. Do we realize the damage done by other classified sins like mine and yours and ours. Do we realize the damage done by sin? Do we recognize that when we sin, even if it's the sin of omission, things we should have done we didn't do, 
We've let ourselves go. And the volume of conscience has been muted. Our good sense, morally, our reverence for God, our good upbringing has been resisted and repelled. We've drifted. We have accepted the status quo. I'm doing what I've always done. We've accepted some lie of the devil. We've let the world become our God. So, when we stand before God and beg for mercy, we need to know that we need to live according to what we've begged. And so, if it's repentance and baptism, it's if, if it's confessing faults of neglect, we need to recognize the truth that we haven't personally embraced. And then what we need to do is let God's repair crew come into our hearts. We need to be fixed as only God can fix us with his word in us. Do we all know people who have confessed their sin verbally but they never move away from it? We all know instances where repentance is nothing but words spoken and tears shed. No genuine remorse, no pathway forward because we observe no change. David understood that the cleanup crew needed to come inside him. Once we beg for mercy, and if we really turn from our sin to God through Christ, the process doesn't suddenly end there. We devote ourselves to prayer, we dig into the Word, we do better tomorrow. We seek the company of God's people. Our desire is, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We need to open up and let God's cleanup crew come in through His Word. One more thing. David said, Then I will teach transgressors your ways. That's in verse 13. Can we help others appeal to God for mercy? I'll tell you, verse 13 is evangelistic. And everybody here needs to be evangelistic. You know, our journey down the wrong path doesn't help anyone unless we tell them where we found mercy and what we did about it. Let me say that again. Our journey down the wrong path doesn't help anyone unless we tell them where we found mercy and how we embraced it. I tell you, a lot of people love to tell their story of where they went wrong. And they'll give their testimony, very popular in modern trending religion, to get up and, and say something like, I was a drunk, or I was a drug addict, or I had this awful life. And they give their testimony and tell all of their stories, and people listen. 
Because people like to hear about failures. People like to hear about failures. There's a whole YouTube serials called a serial called Fail Army. People love to watch people fall down and wreck their cars. People get focused on failure. So people will get up and they'll have an audience and the audience will sit on the end of their seat and listen to a failure story. It never seems to go to the solution part of that. I failed. Well, where did you find mercy and how did you embrace that mercy? Our journey down the wrong path doesn't help anyone unless we tell them how we found the right path and how God's word led us there and what we did. Someone said, evangelism is one beggar telling others where he found bread. So we not only tell people I was starving, and here's how bad it was when I was starving. We tell people, here's where I found bread. And here's what I needed to do to partake of that bread. So evangelism is one beggar telling others where he found bread. Now, you read verse 13, you might want to ask, when did David do this teaching? Then David said, I will teach transgressors your ways. When did David do this teaching? He sinned. He put himself in God's mercy through repentance. God granted pardon. And, and David then asked for the repair crew to come into his heart and clean him up. But when did David do this teaching? He refers to in verse 13. After his repentance in his family, in his nation, among his friends, his peers, his neighbors, he would say at every opportunity, I know what I did, I know it was wrong, and here's where I found mercy, and here's how I received it. That's what David did. I will teach transgressors your ways. He not only told the story of failure, he told the story of where failure ended in his receiving of mercy. David said, here's the answer. Repent and turn to God. And when is David teaching transgressors the ways of God? Right now. Right now. God is using David through scripture right now to teach me and teach you so we can teach others where mercy can be found. Even though we've not committed what we classify as the horrendous sins of David, we've done wrong. We need to tell others where we found mercy and how we discovered how to access that mercy and hold to it. And David said he was teaching transgressors the ways of the Lord and he's doing that tonight through what we've studied. Here's one sentence 
that is the essence of what David is teaching. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David lived in a time when animals were slaughtered and brought to the altar. And that had to be done according to the Mosaic Covenant. But David said, here's what God wants along with whatever sacrifices or covenant required. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Reminding me of this final passage. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27. If we go on sinning, now it doesn't specify adultery and murder. Because that's not the only two. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. May each of us access the grace of God through our repentance, His mercy, and may we live in that mercy through continued obedience day after day. Let's be standing as we sing.